as many of you know, the church is on a, a three-year reading cycle with its readings, and then, and then during a year, a liturgical year, there are 34 weeks in ordinary time, and we're on the 33rd Sunday, so next Sunday will be Christ the King of the Universe, and then the Sunday after that we begin Advent, and at Advent we begin that three-year cycle all over again. So, but what happens in today's readings, and also in a way next week, and certainly with the first Sunday of Advent, is we hear these apocalyptic things coming from God. So here in the in the a year cycle, when we get to the end of the readings, what we've done is we've gone from where the birth of Jesus, if you will, the incarnation of Jesus in his mother's Mary's flesh until the second coming. So the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And as we get to that second coming here on the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time, uh, we're starting to hear, again, this apocalyptic kind of language, this be prepared or be forewarned uh, sort of language. Very important. And our our Lord Jesus laces the Gospels with this. As we read through the Gospels, he he keeps bringing this kind of thing up. Prophecy has been in the Bible from the fall of Adam and Eve when God says the prophecies to to Mary and to the serpent. So, but Jesus is warning us today of a great trial to come. He says, quote, the days will come when there will not be left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, powerful earthquakes, famines and plagues, awesome sights and mighty signs from the sky. The day is coming blazing like an oven when all the proud and all evildoers will be stubble and the day that is coming will set them on fire leaving them neither root or branch. So here's the thing. When I hear that, I'm like, bring it on, Lord. I'm always like, you are so late in coming. We could have used this a long time ago. But most people, like nine out of ten people, are always frightened of this stuff. Like, oh no, this is terrible. I give you an example. I gave this homily at the 4.30 Mass yesterday in this this elderly man came to Mass. It was only the second Mass he'd ever been to in his life. And his wife said, oh, unfortunately, that was not the homily that he would, want, he would have wanted to hear. <laughs> but actually, I think it was the homily that the Lord wanted him to hear. That the Lord, somehow, the Holy Spirit got him to come to Mass. Uh, because he's probably going to pass in the next couple of years. And the Lord wanted him to hear this. He spent a life not serving me and ignoring me. I want you to hear this now. So the Lord is not excited about the status quo, but we are. Our human nature clings to what we know, even if what we know is bad, because it's what we know. And the fear of the unknown or the alternative prevents us from making changes in our lives that we don't want to make. When I was a teenager, I had heard that, that um, the, a woman in domestic violence is, remains in domestic violence for an average of seven years before she gets out. Maybe that's changed, I don't know. But I remember hearing that as a teenager and thinking, why do they do that? At call, or in high school, I could see girls dating guys that were like, why are you dating that guy? What? What? Whatever, you should be dating me. No, it wasn't like that. But, <laughs> but I, I thought, why seven years? You know, the first time he smacks you, why don't you tell him that's the last time he'll smack me? If you ever do that again, I'm gone, or you're gone, or whatever it is. But why seven years? 
Because the fear of the alternative is, is just paralyzing them from, from acting. They're, they're afraid. They're thinking, well, I don't know. I get yelled at. I, I get smacked from time to time. But that's better than being lonely. If I leave them, I might be lonely. And loneliness hurts even more. And So I guess I'll just stay right here. But what if there's something a lot better? What if there's a guy who will love you and respect you and treat you right? Be, be a wonderful, ultimately a wonderful husband and father. What if that guy's out there? And you're not going to meet him because you're staying with this guy. What if the world that we've come to know and we've become so comfortable with, light switches in every room, we walk in and a room suddenly comes alive with light and heating in our homes that keep us warm or cool in the summer with air conditioning or the ability to hop in a car and go anywhere we want, whenever we want kind of thing, or in the palm of our hand to access any information we want through our smartphone. And we see all of that because it's what we know and we've become accustomed to, and we think, this is it. This is what I want to keep forever. Well, what if that stuff was preventing us from knowing and loving and serving the Lord? What if life had just become too comfortable? Or what if it had become too evil that the things that we're seeing on our TV sets or seeing in our phones and the things that we're believing to be true or false or evil, and then we're leading these false and evil lives, then from God's perspective, he wants that to stop because that leads to perdition. How does he get it to stop? He wants to honor our free will because that's an aspect of true love. But is there something that he can do that can awake us up and turn us around? Maybe, maybe he can just take all of our toys away. I know in parenting, you know, when a child is acting out or being bad, sometimes a parent will take away a toy. You know, okay, we can't have that toy back until such and such or that sort of thing. And the toy, losing the toy causes the child to reflect and think and they want that toy back and so they modify their behavior and hopefully they learn a lesson and, and we don't have to go through this again. But removing the toy was a really healthy and good thing. Or maybe it was just putting the child in the corner of the room and they had nothing to do or to see staring into the corner of the room for a minute in a timeout. They've lost everything but only temporarily so that they can understand right and wrong and get the perspective straight. What if God were to take away all of our electricity? You walk into a room, it's dark until you light a candle. And what if there is no air conditioning in the summer? So in those 90 degree days, you're, you're in the shade fanning yourself. And at night, you're just lying on their bed like, oh, I hope I can get some sleep. What if there's no cars to get around? What if there's no modern medicine? When we hear those things, we kind of freak out. We go, well, that's, that's not good. But maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe before all of this, and we don't have to, in all of the thousands of years of human history, we only have to go back about 150 years, and there's none of this. There's no light switches. There's no automobiles. There's no... There aren't these things that that get us to not think about God anymore and ignore Him and live a life that ultimately becomes very selfish and sinful 
and then we lose eternity. Only 150 years ago, and then for all of the thousands of years of human history. What if great things were to come, and those great things were terrifying and frightening and all of that, because God is trying to just shake us out of this kind of state of mind. Just shake us out of it and say, I don't want you living like that. Because if you keep living like that, then you can't live with me for eternity in heaven. And I want you to live with me for eternity in heaven. So I'm going to turn out all the lights. I'm going to take away your cars. I'm going to do all that. And you're going to return to family and the land and me. Actually, that sounds pretty peaceful if you think about it. So when we think about, oh no, I I lose my money and my pension or social security and the banks collapse and all that. Well, what if it leads to God and family and a much more peaceful and sane life? Well, the transition to that, I think, is going to be scary and hard. But once we get there, then we're in a much, much better place. Kind of like surgery. I don't want to go into surgery. That's a big deal. I might not wake up from surgery and While I'm in surgery, I'm cut open and I'm made very vulnerable and I have lost all my control and power. And then when I wake up, it will take weeks or months to heal and I don't want to go through that. But going through the surgery will heal you. And it's what we need. So when Jesus speaks about these kinds of things, it's to heal us. It's to correct something that's gone amiss and the world has gone amiss in a profound way. So I leave you with this. In the 90s, for a couple of summers, I, I worked for my dad out in Stevenson. It didn't, at least one summer. And I remember I was working in the crowd doing what I was doing. I was probably fixing the, 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 the pump thing, which broke like every year constantly. And anyway, whatever I was doing, I was in the corral. And I was doing the same kind of monotonous physical labor. And I was doing that for five days a week kind of thing. And, and I guess in the beginning when I did that, I, I thought, uh, you know, I don't like working out here all by myself and it would be 90 degrees some days and uh, just this kind of thing. But after a while, I got into a rhythm and, I, and it was this, this farmer's piece. And I thought, this is really nice. This is really nice. I couldn't make a living off of this. I couldn't feed myself, let alone a family off of this, but this is really nice. Living a really sane, peaceful life, just working with the earth. Working in with there's some cattle there too and whatever. And, um, and I could just see where, you know, the billionaire doesn't have anything on the simple farmer. Truly doesn't. I'm thinking, wouldn't it be nice if we could all return to this? And we will. God's going to take all our toys away from us. And that's a really good thing. Anything that God does is a really good thing. And he's going to replace it with something that we've lost. God, family, and the peace and sanity that comes from it. So, understand the times that we live. They're unprecedented since the days of Noah. Truly, and we'll hear that Two Sundays from now, that'll be in the gospel. Jesus says, not since the days of Noah. Unprecedented since the days of Noah. 
And that God wants to get us all to heaven, our true homeland, which never ever is, and is a place of everlasting happiness and peace. But a lot of us are going to miss it forever and ever and ever. And he wants to, to, to change that for us in his infinite goodness and love and mercy. So don't fear great changes that God is initiating. Don't fear those. And understand that in the end, we must love him and serve him. Because if we don't in this life, we won't in the next either. And that will be to our, our great everlasting regret. So Jesus is this Prince of Peace who comes He comes ultimately to burn the world by fire, but then only to make a new heavens and a new earth where Satan has no more access and there's no more sin, there's no more suffering, there's no more death. But we have to go through surgery to get there. He needs to change us. Let him change us and let us recognize that that change begins with each one of us individually and then goes out for